Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. everyone it's andy here and you're of course listening to the podcast that gets to know the hikers behind the trekking poles that asks the why questions of hiking and that asks hikers how has hiking changed you and how are you changing the world around you that's right you're listening to the hiker podcast thank you all so much for listening and thank you to our sponsors who make this possible week in week out see us instant coffee Canock outdoors and of course our patreons like you who support this show Thank you all so much for being awesome supporters. If you want to know more about the Hiker Podcast or any of our sponsors or any way you can support the show, you can go to hikerpodcast.com or andynealproductions.com. Any of those places will get you all the information you need to know about me, Andy, or the Hiker Podcast. Um, Also, our socials. You can follow me on Instagram. uh, Follow Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, all that jazz. Go to hikerpodcast.com or andynealproductions.com and you'll get all the information you need. I'm super excited about this week's guest. Bronwyn Price is a author, a a writer, a hiker, and she just has an amazing story. And she is from the Great White North, except it's more rainy up there because it's Western Canada. But she is from from British Columbia, Canada. And I was so excited to have her on the show, have an amazing conversation with her. And so without any further ado, my conversation with Bronwyn Price. I've had the opportunity to talk to so many hikers and get to know so many hikers from around the world. I really feel like I have neglected our our friends and our brothers and sisters up in the Great White North, as we call it, uh, Canada. Um, but we have my pleasure to have on uh, Bronwyn Priest on the show uh, to talk about her journey of hiking and, and healing. And how are you doing today? I, I'm doing great. And I'm just looking out my window and the snow line is descending somewhat closer, but I'm not quite in the Great White North yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, I have friends in Vancouver and they're like, why do you call us the Great White North? Like, I, I live on Vancouver Island. It never snows here. <laughs> it's very wet. That's the, that's the Great Wet North. <laughs> and so I'm just a couple hours north of Vancouver and I grew up on Vancouver Island. So I'm oh, very nice. I'm in the ski town or uh, coming out of summer town known for its mountain biking of Whistler. So I have had the pleasure of living here for the past four years, um, thereabouts. And it's an honor to live on this territory, these lands, which are still the traditional territories and contemporary territories of the Lillooet and Squamish nations. So it's a an honor and an absolute 
jaw-dropping experience every day to live in this part of the world. I feel so fortunate. Like I just mentioned, I grew up on Vancouver Island on the coast. So I've been a coastal girl most of my life. And now I'm have been learning the language of mountains, I say. So very nice. So how did you first get into the outdoors and hiking? I um I, I love watching your Instagram because there's you, you you hike all over Western Canada and Alberta. And I'm just like, my gosh, we had, I mean, people from back East, East, the United States say, Oh, out here in Oregon, we have such big mountains. But then I look up North y'all and it's like, no, you guys have the real mountains and the real scapes up there. How'd you get into all that? Oh, I, I don't think there's a straightforward answer. I was very fortunate, like I said, to grow up on Vancouver Island. So I'm in, the province of British Columbia, so west coast of Canada. And I grew up in a family that, though we wouldn't be quoted as an outdoorsy family, we would go on a lot of like car camping ventures, lots of exploratory. The What we, uh, you know, associate with notions of outdoors and going outdoors was all around. That was part of my growing up. It wasn't a large urban center. But I have become passionate about hiking in the last four years where it's been like a holding container for much of what I do and how I orient myself and my activities and my life. But being a major walker my whole life has has been a through line and just I've been very, very fortunate to grow up and live in places here where mountains, ocean, lakes are not far away. So I think by virtue of where I've been fortunate enough to live the bulk of my life, getting out into the outdoors has been very easy. And it's some and I also lived off grid for a great portion of my life as well on a small off-grid island and so that was very immersive as well so talk a little bit about that doing research on you you know google's i'm seeing a lot of off the grid stuff and as someone who grew up in the city myself very much always on the grid and, and discovering for me off the grid is not having cell phone service for a few hours when i go on a hike or, or a backpacking trip what what drew you to living life like literally off the electric grid, you know, being self-sustaining like that. And what was that experience like? And how has that influenced you as an outdoors person and hiker? Well, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of a love-hate relationship when I re- reflect on those years, because living off grid is darn hard work. It's, it's, not you're not necessarily self-sufficient i'm not professing that in any which way shape or form but for me it was really a way of trying to live my ethics to try to put my ecological thoughts um and thinkings and social thinkings into my practice and that's a lot harder than it looks and it's also an experience I reflect back on and community that I reflect back on and I cherish deeply so much that I learned through that process 
the value of knowing where your energy comes from, where your water comes from, what it takes. And that also, you know, lends itself very nicely to hiking dialogues as we're trying to sustain ourselves on the trail. So there's definite through lines there, but it doesn't minimize how much work it takes. And I'm very fortunate I had my daughter off grid on the island I was living on, and she has grown up uh, with such a balance of having uh, feet in both worlds, of being able to have this wonderful ecological understanding, as well as being like phenomenally finessed in urban settings as well. And right now I'm living in an environment where I am very grateful to be able to flick a switch on and get light (laughs) without wondering how much sun we got or whether the water wheel's running. But I take all those experiences and all those years of, uh, I think it really informs my decisions when I am now living in a situation where I have easier access to everything. But the questions and the ethical um, considerations of, you know, where where things are coming from, what it took to get that here to there, um, inform, inform my everyday. So it definitely, enri- it definitely enriched my life in amazing ways in all sorts of dimensions. But at the same time, I'm not living that lifestyle right now. Or I guess I encapsulate it a bit when I'm off the grid. I mean, sorry, when I'm hiking, when I'm hiking off the grid. Mm-hmm. Yes, there we go. And I, I love that you said that because I've have never felt more connected to the, the earth and the land that I've been on than when I started hiking and then especially backpacking to where my survival is dependent on how the earth is being preserved. I'm like, okay, I'm out of water. The map here says there's supposed to be a stream. That stream's now dried up because... You know, it's May, it's already dried up, it shouldn't be dried up, but because of things like climate change and other things, it's no longer there. We didn't get the rain or the snowpack we needed. And even though that's a little bit of a dire situation, I was able to find water at the next stream. I never felt more connected to the earth and appreciative of what the earth is providing than at that moment. Because you take exactly. it for granted you take it for granted when you're at home, you you turn the faucet on, water comes out. I never have to worry about it. Um, and, and, and yeah, and at the same time, that that awareness while you're out there of oh, this stream is dried up, and it wasn't dried up two years ago or whatever. It, mm-hmm. We're we're bearing witness to what climate change is as hikers. Oftentimes, you know it 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 facilitates that sense of connection, but I think it also, and you can argue with me, and I on this, would you not also say it also highlights where we're becoming more disconnected or, you know, why is this stream dried up? Absolutely. Cause you don't, what, what, what is happening to where this stream was flowing two years ago was mm-hmm. flowing even last year and is not what, what happened? What have we done with uh, our local watersheds and the storing water? Is it a, you know, is it a bigger issue of we didn't get the rain we needed because the temperatures are too high and it's changing weather patterns or things of that nature. Whereas 10 years ago, hikers along the Pacific Crest Trail here on the West coast of the United States mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about those things. The stream, you, you had a paper map and it said the stream was there and 99% of the time the stream was there. And now you're looking on it, you're having apps which are constantly updating saying, Oh, today there's water there. Oh, no, there's not water there today. 
this pump's working, this pump's not, dealing with things we've never had to deal with before. And it really kind of highlights our Im- the impact we've had and what's going on with things like climate change. And I mean, being here on the West Coast in Oregon, Southern Oregon, like the wildfires, it's insane. You hike through an area, you're like, oh my gosh, this was last year, this was pristine old growth forest. And now, whereas there, there, there is some benefit to fires in, in, in the yeah. ecological cycle of things, you're just like, wow, this has just devastated the landscape, devastated the wildlife. This isn't what was supposed to happen with fire in this area. And fire is one of those clear examples where, you know, the it's not a clear A to B line. There's so many other factors to consider. And it, where is the balance gone off? Because yes, fire is a part of natural regenerative systems. So um, these, when we stumble upon these drier streams or the necessity for apps to be, you know, uh, updating their information with more frequency or changes that are occurring at rapid or slower rates, it's never a clear black and white, oh, this this is this because of this is this, or this has happened because of this, but it's, we're hiking into these nexuses of complexity, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and I, and I love that, you know. It's very real, right? The trail brings it all real on so many different levels, right? Right in your face. Absolutely. And my, my next question, you, you live in a, a very, for, for, for people who love the outdoors, Whistler is very well known for, for biking and skiing and you're, you're mm-hmm. a hiker there. And I think sometimes those of us who love the outdoors and um, or care about, you know, things like climate change and, and the environment, we think of Canada as this, this liberal ecological utopia where everybody believes in climate change and there's we're, everybody's just holding hands saying thank you and, and so sorry to everybody. Um, <laughs> I mean that, that, that's that's the that's the the Canadian image we get down here. But then yeah, I talk exactly. to my Canadian friends, and they're like, "No, we deal with all, those same issues." How is it like being up there in Whistler, and 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 the the culture of of taking care of the environment and and taking care of the the lands you're hiking on, you're skiing on, you're biking on? What is that like? Well, I think there is a little bit of a West Coast. Um, British Columbia bubble, like a very often much more greener environmental um, mm-hmm. stereotype and feeling. But I would say it's it is present here that um and then I'm calling myself on my use of language there saying, what is present here? But uh, the dialogues of climate change and environmental awareness are not are no stranger to receiving support in this area how about that but i think you know any stereotype um whether it's towards a group of people and in this case all canadians or whatever can be imploded as quick as it's uttered you know so they're they're all um they're all sorts of sides to that story and you know we're big oil producers up here and pipeline um people too so um there's there's layers to that stereotype but yes whistler is very much a spot known as an outdoor recreation uh, venue um place so 
there is there is that mentality of preserving it you know, and what that means vis-a-vis also looking at copious amounts of tourists that come and visit this area as well. So, you know, balancing factors. So. So getting more into your journey, um, at what point in your life would you, would you have called yourself a hiker? I mean, I know that we like to say online definition of a hiker, someone who goes on a hike, but it's someone who's just like you, you've really, embrace the outdoor and hiking culture and in your free time, that's where you want to be on trail. What did that journey look like for you? Uh, ooh. Again, not a straightforward. I don't see like a beginning point, like everything turned. I opened the door one day and I went on my first hike. No, I've been, like I said, my whole life an outdoor walker. I would walk everywhere. I was also a mother. And I think a transition, and I would put my daughter in the stroller or backpack, and we covered a lot of miles. But my ability to then go on multi-day hikes and started being facilitated within the last four years or so when she was now older and moving out of the house, and I moved up to to Whistler and it just became a passion where it was a lot of day hiking at first. Um, so I was yeah, filling my days with, um, yeah, lots of day hiking. And then that just transitioned to more and more, um, multi-day hikes. And in that, that case, I had one of my best friends and we would generally, um, do multi-day hikes together. And we're, we're talking like five six day overnights but often very remote and then in this last year i have transitioned mainly to trying to do not trying doing solo hiking multi-day backpacks that has also come and coincided with the fact that i am recovering from a leg shattering injury over a year ago which I blew my leg into over 20 pieces, had corrective surgery. The bones subsequently set in a way that left me with a very crooked, inward-leaning knee, had all the metal taken out, and I'm now awaiting a full knee replacement surgery. So getting out and getting back on that trail through this whole journey of now, I think the about a year and four months, getting back on the trail has been so motivating for me and has been my go-to, has been my, just what my focus on physiotherapy or in the States you say physical therapy has been, my determination, my quest to stay positive every day through this. But it's been a slow return to the trail. And so right now, my hiking is is slow it's crooked it's determined and it's it's taken a whole new level and a whole new turn and it's been quite the journey so and one of the reasons i wanted to have you on um is you you are an artist 
you're a poet, yes. you're a writer, yes. you have a PhD in performance, performing arts, um, yes. bachelor's in applied theater. Many, many people may not know, I, I, I part-time host a, a podcast, a theater podcast called the Ashley New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast. So I've gotten to interview a lot of Tony Award winners and Peabody Award winners. And um, so I, it, it, it feels like worlds colliding for me. But as, as an artist and a performing artist and a writer and poet, what is it about the trail that has inspired your art and how has your art inspired your hiking? Great question. And for me, they are completely indivisible, the one from the other. I write on the trail. I have a practice where every hike um, I do sit down that evening and I weave what I have now started terming poetic narratives and they they're, they're not journals they're not straight up poems though what a straight up poem is is beyond me but they're sort of genre mixing where I'll take sound bites from the trail I'll, I'll try to weave in what I've seen from geographical to geological features to try to encapsulate the experience to also weaving in the history that I would have tried to study up about the trail before um, before setting foot on a trail. So I do make a concerted effort to research the indigenous peoples whose land I will be traveling on and other cultural features and yeah and historical markers to see how that informs my awareness as I walk through these territories, as, as how do I hold that historical bit of knowledge? How, how, how does that, yeah, how does that enrich? Because it always does. Or how do I know these plants? Or, or what, what, is, what is the use of that plant? So I head into a hike I do, having done as much research as I can do with the forethought. And then I come out of that hike having written every day on the trail and, you know, sometimes writing because of exhaustion or whatever doesn't happen that evening. It happens the next morning or fingers are too cold to hold a, hold a pen. But I write, I write at a poet's pace. It's a, it's a fabulous opportunity to have been slowed down so much, even though I am getting Quite a bit faster, I have to say. I am I'm now a tortoise in a, a near cheetah cat suit, but um, I emerge from a trail, then with a whole new other set of questions, and I then subsequently do more readings or m more searching to answer many of the questions. Whether it's what what was that type of plant or what is the story behind that place or behind that name? So. You talked about your leg injury and I remember when, when it happened and um, you, you've gone through this process of, of, you know, healing there and now you have to have the knee replacement. Mm -hmm. Is there any point or, or, or are you at a point where, yes, it, it absolutely sucks. Any injury sucks, but are there things about that injury that has, 
actually changed your perspective and has been maybe maybe even a blessing in disguise as you've gotten on the trail? Has it slowed you down to where you're like, those are things I wouldn't have noticed or I wouldn't have appreciated if this injury didn't happen? Well, absolutely. I think it's definitely a blessing in disguise or maybe not even going that far, but I have remained positive throughout it because, you know, I could sit on my chem couch and say, oh, whoa, me, poor me. Oh, yeah, this sucks. But no, I haven't ever even gone to that place. It's been like, okay, this is where it's at. Yes, it's been very, whether painful or a struggle or limiting at times, but let's make the most of it. And there's been a process of letting go through all of this as well of being okay that big trail I wanted to do I don't have the physical capacity to be able to undertake that and what I came to realize this summer and what I undertook was you know there were some of the there were three big famous trails in the Rockies in the Canadian Rockies that were on my um, you know, to-do list. And I am somebody who tends to avoid doing the big popular trails because I want to go more remote. But I also remind myself trails are popular for a reason. So there were three trails that were on my list, had been on my list. And then I have this accident. And this summer I came to the realization, I said, Bronwyn, you don't have to complete them in their entirety but what if you just went in and got a little sample so you go into the first campsite that's you know at five miles in or whatever and then you stay there and then the next day you can try the next one and then you come out so I did that with a couple trails but then as I'm gone in you know 10 or 15 miles to this trail and then back out, I get back out to the, you know, my starting point. And I went, well, wait a second. You've just done 30 miles. When if you had completed that entire section of that trail, it was it would have only been 40. So I'm not sure the math is working out in, in that, in that thing. <laughs> and, and when I realized that, I went, well, heck, you have to try one of these trails in its entirety, if you can get the reservations to get that sense of completion, which I did. I just did that. One of the trails that I did a little foray in and shot back out, I just did complete in its completion. So that's another story. But yes, have I have I been appreciative of some of the gifts that this injury has provided? Absolutely. I my first trail I did at the at the four month marker of this accident like it was my focus to get back on the trail um and it was my it was my to every morning waking up and at the four month point and I still had all the metal in my leg and I was struggling with pain and and and, and various afflictions. And at this point, we had not realized that I was starting to walk. The metal and bone were starting to rub together. But I 
attempted and succeeded to do the Berg Lake Trail, which is a famous one, what I call, you know, a super highway trail in the Rockies. But I did it over the course of six days as opposed to normally what, you know, many people might, if you were an avid like trail runner could do in a day or most people do over a night, a, a night or two. But I extended it. I extended my time. Wow, I got to extend my time in paradise. I'm not complaining about that. And at the same time, it also has cultivated this culture of care. So in that case, everybody knew who I was on the trail because it was very evident that I was walking slowly and like an injured person and everyone would check in. And then as they're looping back on their way out and I'm still heading in, you know, the next day or the day out, He'd be checking in and encouraging me on. So it's, it's, it's been lovely. And yes, I do, I do notice the small things. I, I joke, I say I've seen full old growth forests grow from seed to, um, you know, wide girths at my pace. But <laughs> um, I, I, am getting, I am getting stronger and, and, and faster. So, so what is it that? the motivated you to get back out there because the, the severity of your injury i mean the, the breaking your leg in 20 places is, is a big deal you have metal in there well i mean go big or go home Andy, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna do it you might as well do it right because <laughs> no, nobody would nobody would have faulted you for taking a year or two off of hiking not going hiking <laughs> nobody would fault you for that but i, I remember like you you you'd message me about the injury and DMs on Instagram or something like that. And then not long after that, like a few months, maybe even shorter, I'm seeing you back on the trail. I'm like, I thought you just broke her leg in 20 places. Like, and I was just astonished at that. What, what drew you back out there to just, to, to just go at, at your own pace and what's safe for you instead of just taking it easy. And, and no one would have faulted you for taking it easy. Well, and I think uh, I've been faulted for not taking it easy, you know, um, but because it fuels me. It like hiking. Uh, you know this. You you articulate this uh, every week when, or every couple of weeks and chime in. You know it's it's a passion. It's it speaks to a part of me. It enlivens part of me, both artistically, both in so many dimensions. There is that like connectivity that you you spoke of earlier. And there's just something so real about it. Shifting gears. It's kind of a, uh, yeah, let's let's shift gears, but it is kind of beyond beyond words. It's like, Uh even though I am a poet, you know, what is it? It's it's that essence. And that that essence is different for every trail. And, and, you know, sometimes when you're flooded out and your boots are filled with mud and you can't (laughs) feel your fingers, you do wonder. But. And, and I laugh and it's that point of ridiculous. Like I was just thinking the other day, I had hot spots on my back from where something had rubbed and I had a blister that was coming off. And I'm like, and why do you love this? It's like, it's some, there, there's something so, I don't have the word. There we go. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit here, um, opening up and, and actually, 
I, I work with a director uh, from Canada who, who does the same thing, who lives in British Columbia. Um, you immediately gave land acknowledgement, which is something mm-hmm. that is becoming more and more common here in the States. But I know, especially in Canada, in, in particularly British Columbia, um, I have I have a director I work with that every time she opens a Zoom meeting, she says, you know, I respectfully reside in the in the ancestral lands of, and she, she names the, the tribes. Mm-hmm. Um what is what is it about uh, one hiking hiking on land that you know belong to somebody else and acknowledging that um, that is so important to you and what 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 did that process look like or is it something that's always been in the culture you've been in up there in, in Canada and British Columbia? Um. So thank you for asking that question. For me, I. It's always been a part of the culture of, uh, from which I've been raised in. I am very grateful to have been raised by two of the most incredibly, wonderfully open-minded, left-wing, and aware parents. And I am noticing, and it's been a wonderful practice in the more recent years in Canada and as you mentioned and I think British Columbia might arguably have um, spearheaded a bit more where land acknowledgement has been occurring more and more but it often still falls to a tokenistic nod Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that can equally be as upsetting for me, a land acknowledgement goes deeper than a a tokenistic nod. It and it's not it's it's also a beautiful invitation to understand and to move forward with acknowledging the horrors and of a past, but how do we hold that in dialogue? How do we help facilitate dialogues and move forward in generative ways? So I think there's, I'm hoping, it seems like we're transcending where land acknowledgement sometimes comes, I think maybe with some fear based around um, certain people like, you know, but I, for me, it's an acknowledgement of a horrible history. And I am a woman of mainly settler descent, predominantly. And how do I carry that knowledge? And and what does that mean to be on these lands that have been traversed for thousands of years? And what stories what stories are in yeah, are here? And which have been lost, and which are now to be created anew, and so that's part of what I try to embed in my writings as well. And for example, just today, I received an email in because I had just been on a hike where all the names attributed to the areas were very colonial names, except one, and it had an indigenous name but it did not credit which indigenous group it came to and this was an area where there was many territories and I was doing my research trying to find and trying to go on different indigenous linguistic sites to find 
the history so I could uh, um, you know, learn more about the history of this word in relation to this place. And so I was sending out emails and, and just just today received a wonderfully informative email where so to me these are invitations. It starts with a land acknowledgement, but that's that's a that's a way into deeper understanding and and a a place of hopeful yeah, a place of hope and hope as an active word. And you talked a little bit about the performative aspects of it. I think a lot of us are, myself included, definitely guilty of, of you, know, you placing that on your posts or or videos as land acknowledgement because that's the the PC thing to do. But I noticed for myself as, as I, I began to do it, um, it was I had people of, of, of indigenous ancestry approaching me and um, educate, educating me about where I'm hiking. It's like, oh, do you know? Yeah, you think for the Atlantic Mountains. Did you know this happened? That happened there. Did you know about the? I never knew about the the, the Rogue Valley Trail of Tears where I live, and how the settlers drove out um, the, the 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 indigenous people here out of the land and and and, and slaughtered thousands. I, the things I that they don't teach on a regional level here to the kids in school and. Um, and isn't and isn't that amazing? And how much more has that now enriched your knowledge of that trail, right? And exactly, exactly. I, th- I think of the there's a, there's a place along the Rogue River. The, the, the Talwa people um, they had their 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 salmon blessing ceremony, and there was the, there was the blessing chair, and they'd sit there. And this is stuff I, I wouldn't have known if I hadn't have just be, been open to putting that out there, and then learning more and more and then just coming to that realization myself like these my ancestors some of which you know from what i can tell from ancestry.com came over on the mayflower like like the og you know imperialistic you know colonizers um and they've they've done this to the people of north america and they're really just kind of you know realizing that myself i had i had no part in that but i benefit from that system from those things that happened right. to them, I, I'm benefiting from that. And so what can we do to acknowledge what has happened and, and uh, give reprieve, give, give, give help and, and, and really give back to these public lands that have been stewarded by people thousands of years before white people ever showed up. Exactly. And I mean, I think that example you just gave is just such a, beautiful one to just say it opened a window it opened a dialogue right and i think it comes down to now facilitating how do we how do we foster dialogues and whether it's you through posting that on instagram and that open that you know way of communicating or me through poetry it's 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 staying open and it's and it's being willing to dive into sometimes tricky, sometimes difficult, you know, not clear ways of proceeding, mm-hmm. but but having having the courage to say, I'm showing up, you know. And it, it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's yeah, gonna it be is. embrace the uncomfortable. <laughs> it's exactly. Just you know, on so on so many issues, right? That applies to to 
Yeah, to so many, and and you've been so great at like touching on so many issues with your podcast. So it's it's um that are are completely related. Some some more peripherally than others directly, but um, I think yeah, communication discussions. Absolutely, Rami. I like to closing out here. I like to ask every every hiker and person who comes on the show how ultimately, if you could sum it up, how has hiking in the outdoors changed you? You know, I should have been more prepared for that one because I listen to your podcast all the time. I should have had my answer written out. And so how has it changed? <laughs> and, and it's like I'm hearing this question for the first time. And I love that. So that's how I'm going to answer it. How has it changed me? I think it changes with for me every step. It allows a deepening. It's yeah. It's an it's an invita- It's an invitation to self because on the trail, who do I come across and who do I meet endlessly anew, breath by breath, step by step, however slow it is, is myself. Sometimes in uncomfortable situations, sometimes in the most breathtaking moments where words fail me. But I guess it's changed me as it's been a it's been a continuous invitation and it's a continuous art. Very even nice. in the hard bits, even in the hard bits, even in the cold bits, <laughs> even in even in the bits where it's like everything is wet <laughs> and I have no clean socks and three more days, you know, even in those moments it's like yeah. and wow. Here I am in paradise, a wet paradise or a cold paradise, but it's still paradise. Awesome. If people wanted to follow what you're doing and your writings or, or you online, where would they go? I think the best uh, place would be Instagram, where my handle there is at poetic hiker. So all one word, P-O-E-T-I-C-H-I-K-E-R. And yeah, from there. And I, I do post pics of my hikes and this journey with this leg that's still attached. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'd be it would be wonderful. To, I've connected with many people through your through listening to you and other hikers, and so yeah, that's awesome. that's where I'd find people. Ronwin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story of hiking in the outdoors and everything you've been through. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. And thank you for being so patient with my technical uh, lack of prowess there oh, off at the beginning. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> sure y'all follow her on the instagrams and all that fun stuff do want to give a big shout out to all the patreons who make this show possible 
week in and week out. I don't know how I could do the show without their support. And I've admittedly been neglecting them a little bit as far as like giving them the love. And I send the stuff, but it's like, I, I, I want to step up my Patreon game here. So if you're a Patreon and you support the show, you saw the post this week. I'm stepping up the game a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little more, uh, office hours, maybe, or just something that you guys can like come in and talk to me. So, well, Lisa, Sky, Hannah, um, Jane, Barbara, Mike, Allie, Elizabeth, Maggie, Ava, Annette, Renee, Alistair, Mike, Danielle, Ren, Jacob, Tommy, and Deb. Thank you so much for supporting the show weekend and week out. Also, Canuck Outdoors, makers of the carbon fiber cork trucking poles. They're amazing. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, if you want some some carbon fiber, carbon fiber cork trucking poles or any I mean, any other stuff, um, just use the link in the description of this episode or go to hikerpodcast.com. Helps out the show. And if you use uh, the promo code hikerpodcast, you get 10% off your pair or single new trucking poles. So great thing to do. Helps me out. Helps you out. It's a win-win situation. Also, CSN's a coffee, best instant coffee on the trail. If you become a Patreon after three months of being, if you become a $10 or more Patreon after three months, I will send you some CSN's and coffee from CSN's and coffee. So they're amazing. Uh, Seriously, I drink them like half the time as my regular morning coffee. I need to get more actually, because it's just, it's it's that freaking good. I did want to take a second here and um, just talk with you all this is the 60th episode of this show and i have all different kinds of people listening i have people who are new hikers who are experienced triple crowners who um are love the outdoors just they like listening to the show because entertaining because there was a particular guest that caught their interest and maybe they don't really go in the outdoors all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds from all over the world listen to this show and i just I want your feedback. So you guys can do me a favor and get online and go to hikerpodcast.com and just follow the hiker podcast or myself on Instagram. The links are there and shoot me a DM about who or what you'd like to see on the show. Cause we've had, uh, so we've had over 55 guests on the show. We have talked about so many different things. And I just want to know, what do you want to hear about on the Hiker Podcast? So let me know. I do want to do, I've been talking about this since season two. We're getting, we're in the middle of season three. Um, January comes season four. I want to talk about more like roundtable type stuff where we get myself and, and two other maybe uh, people. And we just, we just talk about something and we do that every other week and then we have a guest on every other week um i still want this to be hiker focused so maybe that would be an episode that's the second episode in the week a bonus episode um because there's a lot of things i think we can talk about a lot of people come on the show like oh we want you to talk about about injury on the trail or hiking with kids and i'm like well we, we focus on as a show we focus on people and sometimes people they have kids and they hike with kids we've talked about that um if you've listened to the episodes with Kanak or with um purple purple skirt um the i'm sorry the, the hiking skirts um i'm blanking on her name i'm sorry uh, at the moment but yeah we talk about hiking with kids and what that's like and i've talked about that but maybe i'm gonna get some some parents who are hikers here and we just talk about hiking with kids uh, but i know a lot of you don't have kids so you want to talk about the effects of being a trail angel or environmental issues in the outdoors or social media and how it affects our perception of the outdoors those are all things we want to talk about 
but also what other guests am I, I I can't see everybody in the outdoors and hiking spaces so who do you want to hear from hit me in my DMs either at Hiker Podcast or at Andy uh, Andy Films and Hikes on Instagram you can go to hikerpodcast.com for those links if you don't want to remember that and uh, shoot me a DM I check my my other box like once a day so if I don't if you don't follow me I don't follow you I won't see it immediately but I will see it eventually hit me up let me know who you want to see on the show and just guys, thank you so much. Um, thank you to Canuck Outdoors. Thank you to CNC at Coffee. Thank you to all the Patreons for supporting the show. I can't believe we're at 60 episodes, but I'm super excited. As we get into the winter and holiday seasons, there's a lot going on with myself and the show. So I just want to thank you all and want to continue to get your support and your feedback on what you want to hear from us. So without any further ado, we're going to end it. <laughs> That's a weird way to end it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for everything you do and for your support and for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast.